Welcome to Dodgers Dogs, Casey Porter, alongside Austin Brubaker, as we are each and every Sunday, Wednesday, and it's Friday night in the big town. So we are here to talk some Dodgers baseball, a lot to talk about Austin. Of course, we had the hot take today with the Michael Bush and Yency Almonte trade. So let's dive in right there and really what we want to do tonight on a Friday night, we want this to be an open mic. We want to have a huge chat, and we want to answer your questions. But Austin, opening thoughts here. Yeah, no, that's we had a hot take this morning. Obviously, the Dodgers made a huge trade, and that is going to be the primary focus of this show, or at least a huge part of this show. We want to hear your thoughts on the Michael Bush and Yency Almonte trade that went down. The Dodgers received a couple of really intriguing prospects in return for that. Um, but the Dodgers did make a move. They didn't go out and get a major league talent. I want to know your thoughts as that every single aspect of it, as Casey and I are here, I'm here and snowy Michigan. What's happening right now is it's a snowmageddon around here. So I've got my winter hat on right now. So it's going to be a good night, Friday night, excited to excited to be here on the show. I do not feel sorry for you. It is going to be about 10 degrees here in Oklahoma, Starting tomorrow, we are going to be in the deep freeze, and we are not prepared for it, nor are we conditioned to it. We're not used to it, so I don't feel sorry for you, Austin. <laughs> oh, I, I don't blame you whatsoever. This is this is the normal that we have here in Michigan, which actually it's kind of funny before we get into the actual trade talk. Uh, it, it is so familiar here in Michigan that actually – uh, during the course of the regular season for the Loons, they go out and do a bunch of giveaways. Um, well, it was one day towards the end of July this past year where they decided to do an Alpine hat giveaway. I'm not sure what you know. I actually have it right here. It's an Alpine oh, nice. hat. It's a Great Lakes Loons hat. Um, they decided to give that out during the middle of summer, and it was 88 degrees out. And everybody was kind of questioning, why are you giving out the hat? It's, it's super hot out. You get super sweaty if you decided to wear it. Today, with all the snow that we're getting, I finally understand why we're getting it. And it became really useful today as I was shoveling snow. So I uh, hope everybody's having a good night. We're excited to talk Dodgers baseball. Hopefully you're someplace warm in Southern California or wherever you are. Excited to talk about the trade. So the Damino is asking already, it gets cold in Oklahoma. Yes, it gets very hot in the summer. It gets to be over 100 degrees for about 30 today, 30 days a year. Then it gets very cold in the winter, and then it gets kind of in between. So we have all four seasons. Typically speaking, a winter can get down. We'll have you know a couple of weeks that are below freezing, probably about 30 days a year on average that are below freezing. We get a little bit of snow, and then the snow turns into spring, and then that turns into tornadoes. And then the tornadoes turn into really hot weather. Then the really hot weather turn into tornadoes, and then the tornadoes turn into cold weather. That's pretty much the the way well, the weather goes in Oklahoma. And let me cut this on over. What I'm showing you right here is Zaire Hope, a young man that the Dodgers got back in the Michael Bush Yency Almonte trade. Now, what you're actually seeing here is pretty cool because he's actually pitching right here. We'll get into th this video. We'll get into more of his offensive game as well. But I wanted to show you Zaire Hope. I don't have this on for Austin right now. But he is a young man, Austin. I will let you dive in on him. Him and Jackson Ferris were returned for Yency Almonte and Michael Bush. 
Yeah, two, both of these guys. One, the hot take, we didn't really get a deep dive into both of these guys. We'll be doing that a little bit. Zaire Hope is a younger guy, uh, just recently got drafted. And yeah, talking about him, he has a little bit of experience pitching as well as hitting. So there's a little bit of question as far as the Dodgers, what they're wanting to do. I would anticipate maybe the more of the offense, but I also don't know. We've seen them take a guy like Asarin Lau and convert him to being a pitcher and so I'm not sure exactly what the Dodgers game plan is. We know with Zaire Hope, he is incredibly athletic. He's got a lot of speed. He's got a lot of good tools that can project really well. And he's one of those guys you talked about just some of the hype around him coming out of the draft. He was seen as one of the steals by many in the draft. And that is because of the upside and tools that he possesses only had a little bit limited time appearing in some complex league games last year. So there's not a ton to draw out for those games. He did draw a lot of walks, did hit a couple bombs during those games. So you like some of that. You like some of the athleticism and tools that Zaire hope has. There's a lot of stuff and tools for the Dodgers to work on. And they have the best development. They have the best coaching staff to where they can help him maximize those tools, regardless of whether they want to keep him in the outfield or if they want to transition him to some sort of pitching role, which I'm not sure exactly what the Dodgers game plan is. It's an exciting guy to see come over and have this development system be able to work with him and maximize his skills. Yep, I have a comment that I have my date wrong. It's listed, uh, let's see, the comment right here says my date is listed as, let's see, let me get back up here. Well, let's read some comments and let's get to that. Craig, good evening, Craig. Hi, Casey and Austin. Good evening to yourself, Denard2010. Good evening to you. Showtime LA, thank you so much for joining Feels like a Marlins trade is coming. Now, keep in mind, this does not mean, as you're seeing Zaire Hope on your screen, I'm going to go ahead and flip this over to Jackson Ferris as I talk. This does not at all mean that the Dodgers are done. What we told you last time we were on the air was that we didn't. We thought the Dodgers were done DFA. They didn't want to DFA. They didn't want to DFA anybody, obviously. We told you they were going to do everything they could to come up with a trade. If they did have to go DFA, we thought it would be NC Almonte. Now, obviously, they didn't want to do that. You're seeing Jackson Ferris here pitch, and he is the other young man that came in the – can you see it, Austin? Yes, I can. Okay. And, and so we were pretty sure that the Dodgers were done with the DFA route. So what this did was this was the best deal they could find in the short term to get – Oscar Hernandez on the roster. So you clear two 40-man roster spots. That clears one for T. Oscar. I've heard is the other one for Clayton Kershaw. I would doubt it. I think the other one is for another trade, probably a starting pitcher. I think Clayton Kershaw is probably going to be signed after pitchers and catchers report. So who knows? I mean, it, it, you never know what's going to happen. But we've had a pretty good bead on on what's what the, what the Dodgers have been doing in this offseason. So I would think that the Dodgers still left that one spot for one last pitcher to go get in a trade scenario or free agency. They can now go. Now, so what they did by clearing the two spots, they have one spot available, so they don't have to go the trade route anymore. They can go the free agent route, go get a Josh Hader, and they don't even have to make another move. 
Yeah, they, this opens up them up a little bit for roster flexibility. Now, if you were here for the show on Wednesday, whether that was the hot take or whether that was for the live show, we talked a lot about a potential Jesus Lazardo and a Tanner Scott, Andrew Nardi, uh, AJ Puck, some type of pairing with those two. I think that type of trade becomes significantly harder, at least in the sense that Michael Bush was seen at as one of the potential centerpieces of that trade. We don't know exactly what Miami thinks of Michael Bush and his evaluation. Um, he is off the table for them. So there might be a little bit of frustration for Dodgers fan as far as this trade because they could have utilized him for that. However, mm -hmm. there has been news recently about Miami potentially being willing to part with just about anybody within their system except for Yuri Perez. So there seems to be some sort of willingness from the Miami Marlins to be in some type of trade there's some arbitration process going out around with tanner scott he could potentially be a possibility for the los angeles dodgers um i think there's i think they are a very real trade partner that the dodgers could pursue now they are just limited with some of the 40 man roster spots mlb guys that they could use in some of that trade which actually might be more compelling to the marlins because they might want all guys who are also not on the 40 man yeah. are the dodgers willing to part with those guys to go get a jesus lazardo or would they rather go through the free agent route so they don't have to give up any of the prospects that is the question right now so this opens up this answers a very important question and i'm super glad that this question was answered what were the Dodgers going to do with Michael Bush? They were not going to play him at the big league level. He was not fulfilling the role. I know he was ranked by MLB Pipeline as the number two prospect, but he was not the number two prospect in the eyes of the Dodgers in the sense that they weren't willing to carve out a role for playing time for him, or at least he wasn't the priority number two prospect for them. And so with that Michael Bush has all the talent in the world. We've been screaming about it for a long time. He does not deserve to be in Oklahoma City. Now he's in Chicago. I think he was at Cubs Con or whatever they call it uh, today uh, over there. Yeah. So he's getting acclimated to the climate over there. They figured out that whole Michael Bush. He's not going to be Oklahoma City. He's going to be a big league <laughs> Thank God. player. I'm super happy for him. I think, I, yeah, Casey. And I love I, Michael Bush. I've talked to him, him a million times while he's at Oklahoma City. I've interviewed him and all that. I didn't want to see him again in Oklahoma City at all. Exactly, man. exactly. And he's getting that opportunity. So that question is answered. So now for the Dodgers, they don't have to address that. Now they have to figure out what are the final pieces of this puzzle going into the regular season that we want to complete. Do we want to add to the bullpen? Do we want, need or want to add some type of closer to the back end of this bullpen? Do we need to add another reassuring arm to this roster? Does the end, does that arm, should that arm be an innings eater type or do we have to make the investment for more of a number two, number three, in case there's some type of injury to add insurance to the playoffs? We knew a lot of the guys that went into the season this past season did get injured and they were not available. The Dodgers don't want that to happen again. Um, so now we turn the page a little bit. Again, we're going to still talk about Jackson Ferris a little bit. I think he deserves some time to, in order to analyze and talk about him. Right there. But now where the Dodgers are at right now, 
they turned the page on the Michael Bush situation and got the best possible return that they could, at least on the minor league level, pairing him with Yancey Almonte, who was going to be the DFA candidate if they had to go down that route. Which they weren't. Instead, they were going to find a trade. Yes. They were not yes, going to DFA gonna... Yancey Almonte. When we yes, say they, that, they... we mean he was the only one that we think could have been in that situation, but they weren't going to do that. They were always going to find a trade for that. Yes, and again, that's not because Yancey Almonte is not talented. That is exclusively because he is out of minor league options. The Dodgers will be not ha- not being a flexible position at that point. So they made the trade. They got the best return that they can, and they got a couple. They got uh, Zaire Hope, who we just talked about, who's super toolsy, and they also got a great picture pitcher in Jackson Ferris, who I mean, being here in the great state of Michigan, being here. As a Great Lakes Loons fan, I couldn't be more excited about this. Yep. How about Peyton Martin and Jackson Ferris, both from North Carolina, both the exact same age, 19 years old. I actually have reached out to Peyton. It's Friday night, so I doubt I get – he's going to be probably be like, dude, you, you realize you do I'm, – I'm like 19 and you messaged me on a Friday night? Are you serious, <laughs> dude? I mean, he'll probably get back to me like a Sunday sometime, you know. But I did reach yeah. out, and, and I know that, that Jackson Ferris ended up at the IMG Academy – but he started in North Carolina. That's where he's from, and that's where Peyton Martin is from. And so I reached out to Peyton Martin. You're actually looking at Zaire Hope right here. And I'm sure Peyton Martin knows that they, they knew about each other growing up because they were both studs, right? So I'd be curious to see what Peyton Martin's take is on that situation. So, yeah, no doubt that, that we're not going to spend all night long on the Michael Bush deal. We've, we've worn that out, you know, and I, I know I've worn people out with it, and I'm so excited that and let me get back to our scene here i'm so excited that he's going to get his major league opportunity that's all anybody could ask for miguel vargas i say it all the time he had his chance that's on him he didn't perform the way that he's capable of but he was given his chance james outman he was given his chance he did perform the way he was capable of and now he's going to become a starter bobby miller got his chance ryan pepio got his chance emmett sheehan got his chance Michael Grove got his chance. Gavin Stone, to an extent, did. So, you know, from that perspective, I'm super excited for Michael Bush. And like I said, we're not going to spend all night long talking about this. But I will say that the Dodgers did a great job in the return that they got back for that. They did not get a piece that helps them win a World Series. That is frustrating. I think if they trade a guy a little bit sooner when they're 23, 24, 25 years old instead of 26, where it looks like everybody knows he's blocked. Maybe you do get a piece to help you win a World Series, but that's spilt milk. We're not going to talk about that anymore. That's the end of that. What we're going to talk about now are the prospects that the Dodgers get back in return, and we're also going to talk about your comments. So left a poll at the top of the chat. Do you like the most recent trade that sent Almonte and Bush to the Cubs? We have a lot of people who are voting. Most of the people are saying yes. So make sure and vote on that. And it is Friday night in a big town, and we are enjoying some Dodgers talk tonight. So spread the word. Tell all your friends. Get them on over here, and let's talk some Dodgers baseball. We already have a good lobby going. The Damino says, Austin, you look like a 2001 Undertaker in that hat. I love it, man. <laughs> hey, did you see Dave Anderson's hat? Did, did that come oh, from the team store? Is that the same one he had on? 
I have no I have no idea if this is the same one, but there's a good there's there's a couple of reasons why I'm wearing this hat. And one of them, check out the video if you haven't. Loon's pitching coach, Dave Anderson, who's part of the Dodgers organization, was just on the interview uh yesterday that premiered. Um he was wearing a beanie, so I have to wear a beanie as well. Also, it's pretty cold here in Michigan, a lot of snow, so had to wear it in support of him. Okay, so Denard twenty ten, thank you so much for joining. Finally, Bush gets an opportunity to showcase his talents, no doubt about that. Denard also said, is this trade a trend of more upcoming moves? The Dodgers have one more move. It's either to put Clayton Kershaw on the roster or it's to go get another free agent like a Josh Hader or you can trade for a couple of guys now. So now, Austin, if you if you trade for both a Tanner Scott and a Jesus Lazardo. You only need to clear one more spot, right? So at that point, then you can trade as many non-roster, non-40-man roster guys as you want. You only so by clearing these two spots, this provided a lot of trade flexibility for the Dodgers. Because if you if let's say, like I said, if you go get two guys in Scott and Lazardo, then you, you're going to need to clear a spot, a, a spot for one man on the 40-man. So you're going to have to trade one man from the 40-man, and then everybody else is fair game after that, instead of having to trade three like you're going to have to do before this trade. So as much as anything with this trade, what this did was it cleared two 40-man uh, roster spots. We've said a million times in the offseason, the money doesn't matter to the Dodgers. The gold standard is roster spots. And so from that perspective – this was a huge win for the Dodgers. Plus, you got a very talented left-hander who's also the Dodgers' number five prospect immediately when he came into the system in a very talented young outfielder. So is this a trend of more upcoming moves? I would have to say yes, Austin. Yeah, I think they're going to have to make more moves in the future. I think this rotation, I think that there needs to be added depth or you want to go for additional upside, either more depth for the bullpen. I know a lot of Dodgers fans want to go and get a more reliable left-handed arm or a reliable closer. So I think one of those two options are in play. Go get Lizardo, Scott, and Hayter. That would be That's phenomenal. Possible. That's I, totally possible. I, that is totally possible, and that would be for Dodgers fans. I mean, that would complete the dream offseason for them. I mean, you would be getting a good, reliable starting pitcher that would be insurance. You'd be getting another good, reliable left-handed pitcher and Scott who has pitched in the back end of bullpens. Mm -hmm. And then you'd be getting Josh Hader, who is one of, if not the best, reliever in the game who can be there in every single high-leverage situation that you need it, can be there to close out games. Then you have the best bullpen. Then you have the most deep rotation. And then you have arguably and probably the best lineup in the game what is stopping the Los Angeles Dodgers then? So you say, well, can you afford Hater? Can you? Okay. If you win a World Series, you can't afford not to do it. If you think going and getting Jesus, Lazardo, Tanner Scott, and Josh Hader gives you a substantially better chance to win a World Series, there is no amount of money that you can pay somebody that makes up for winning a World Series. So if you think that's going to get you over the top to win a World Series, you can't afford not to do it, especially the position the Dodgers are in. Talk to Michael Grove today, okay? And I'm going to release his interview this week. And I kind of joked around with him. I was like, what is it like to be on a, a text chat, you know, a group text, <laughs> with Shohei Otani, Yoshinobu Yamamoto, knowing that there is a billion dollars in that group text? 
what's that like? And he just kind of giggled, and he goes, yeah, man, it's crazy. It's like, what? You know, and he's from Wheeling, West Virginia, Friday Night Lights town, like like a small town that, that people back there, they follow everything he does, you know. So for him, it was just it was just kind of funny because he was like, yeah, man, it's crazy. It's just so much money. Even for him, it's like it's not even real, you know. It's just so much money. Yeah, no, it, it is absolutely crazy. And I think your point is right right there. If the Dodgers are making these moves, if these moves are going to put you over the top of the World Series, that is the goal. That is what you want to do. You can't spend enough money in order to get that. And I know that we've warned a lot about, especially with a signing like a Josh Hader, about future roster flexibility or roster limitations that a signing like that provides. If that gets you a World Series... You can live with those roster fle- it, those roster limitations in the future, even if it's just one. You over the top, mm-hmm. even if it's just one. Absolutely right. And so with the Josh Hader, I know I'm not 100 percent on the Josh Hader trade because I am concerned about some of the limitations that it, that provides. If the Dodgers, however, believe that that is the one piece that's going to put them over the top, then I would be supportive of that move. I just think the Dodgers can also be patient with yes. how they go about doing it i think the dodgers don't have to strike right now and sign josh Hader immediately because i don't think the market is there or to that point right now i think they can be strategic i think they can wait perhaps get a little bit of a better deal with that and then hopefully more of a shorter term deal so then you have josh Hader as far as the best case scenario josh Hader for a short amount of time help him win the world series and not limit future roster roster limitations um, the Dodgers need to do whatever it takes to go out and win a World Series. So I think to Jesus Lizardo, the Tanner Scott trade, although while it is limited, and I think although while the Dodgers would still prefer to give up some of the guys on the 40-man, not because they're not talented, but because I think the guys not on the 40-man provide them with additional roster flexibility if they want to sign some sort of free agent. Um I think making some type of trade with that allows it to be a little bit more open. And I think the Marlins are in a position where they seem willing to make some sort of move. So I think you could at least go after one of the left-handed relievers out of their bullpen at the very least uh, and still have the pieces in order to make those trade. And then you have to decide whether or not you want to make that a significant investment in Josh Hader. I think they're already going to be over the highest luxury tax, yeah. so might as well go after that for at least the one season. Uh, the Dodgers are in a good position, but now is the time to help reassure this team and help go over the top or at least that is a very conceivable argument right now again you don't have to make all these moves now making all winning the entire offseason does not guarantee you the world series you're still going to have to make adjustments in season so you could make the argument that save some of your pieces and make those adjustments during the course of the regular season once you have a better idea of how the season is playing out. But the Dodgers are in a really good position right now. The Damino says, I've never been to Oklahoma. Might have to come someday. Hey, it is awesome. It's it's a great place. It's a I get asked every time, uh, you know, every once in a while, I had a friend that moved from Vermont in, in junior high, and he cried for like the first three days, and his parents asked him why he was crying, and he said, well, because, and this was before they moved, he says, 
I don't want to live in a teepee, Mom. I don't want to. I don't want to move to Oklahoma and live in a tent. I don't think those people in Oklahoma live in houses. And he was like, "Yes, they live in houses. They have the Outback Steakhouse." They, so yeah, no, I get I get a kick out of sometimes I get from Los Angeles people. Well, what's it like in Oklahoma? I mean, like it's like well. It's, honestly, it's not really a whole lot different than anybody else. I mean, we have all the the, the chilies and the outbacks, and the, we don't have it in it. I wish we did have that. Yeah, so it, it's a pretty cool place. But, yeah, you need to come on down to the Oklahoma. If you have a chance, Damino, I will take you to a Tulsa game. We'll watch a double-A game. Then we'll take you to an Oklahoma City game. We'll take you to the Bricktown Canal. We'll do the whole thing. I'll take you over to my Yucatan taco stand. We'll have a beer and a big old plate of nachos, and we'll have a hell of a good time. So, yeah, I will say with Damino, him and I went on a road trip last summer. We might have to make take that road trip down to Oklahoma this next upcoming season. And I'll even take you out to the farm, show you my cows, both farms, show you my cows on both farms, show you my son's new house that he built out there, and y'all will wonder where the hell you're at at that point because that's in the middle of nowhere. I promise you that one. So, okay. All right, Benji, thank you so much for joining tonight. Friday night in the big town. Thank you so much for joining on Dodgers Dogs. Great to be here with y'all. Great to have you here, Benji. Roy Sakin says, good luck to Bush, no doubt. We all wish Michael Bush nothing but the best. I can tell you, I saw this guy, talked to him a million times at Oklahoma City. If he was frustrated, if there was ever a sense of resentment or if he was ever pissed or just mad at the organization, he never showed it. Not one single second. Not in his early work on ground balls. Not on his fly balls. He was always out. So, like, he would take – a lot of times it gets hot in Oklahoma by about mid-June. It's uh, The batting practice on the field is optional because it's 100 degrees for the next two months, right? He would always be the one taking the, the BP on the field. And then when he was done with BP, he'd go out to the outfield and shag. I mean, he, he, would, he would – and then he would also take extra ground balls. Keep in mind – he would take ground balls at second base and at third base. And he always had a smile on his face, and he was always the same professional Michael Bush. And I cannot tell you how professional that guy is, how just awesome of an attitude he has always had. So we definitely, definitely wish Michael Bush the best of luck. So, yes, great comment there. We all wish Michael Bush the best of luck. Let me get back up to the chat here okay so uh daniel daniel berry sports highlights hey thank you for joining daniel berry sports highlights thank you so much for joining benji says cannot wait to hear y'all talk about our new prospects we are going to get more into them here in a little bit we've talked about them a little bit already going to talk about them a little bit more but want to get to some comments at the moment the damino says austin was very excited about jackson ferris and that means i'm excited okay so imagine these two scenarios. If if Josue de Paula starts, I'm not saying he's going to spend much time there, but let's say that he starts in Rancho, okay? That means that you're going to have an outfield of Josue de Paula, Kendall George, right? And then Zaire Hope, right? That's going to be your outfield? Yeah, I mean no, that that that's gonna talking, be sick with without oh, the K on the end, sick, sick with SIC. Think about that yes. outfield, okay? And then think about this, okay? Your your rotation now with Jackson Ferris one step up at Great Lakes because I think he's probably going to start at Great Lakes. Maybe I don't know. We'll see. It could be Peyton Martin, 
Jackson Ferris, Jared Kiros, Peter Hubeck, and I don't know. <laughs> Jan Castro, you maybe throw, again. You throw out some other incredibly talented arms. No, that, I mean, you're, we're doing some promotion for the Great Lakes Loons right now. That is absolutely phenomenal rotation. You saw it with Hubeck. You saw it with Kiros this past season. Now you're going to see that with Jackson Ferris. And He's already listed on the Great Lakes Loons roster. Not that that means necessarily anything, but I think he's going to spend a significant portion of time with the Great Lakes Loons this upcoming season. Personally, I'm super, super excited about it. And I think Dodgers fans too. The minor league system and having a good prospect farm, even though this trade doesn't help with the big league club, every single aspect of this organization matters. And so having good development, having good prospects in your farm system helps the big league club either in the future with them joining the club or with them being possibly part of some sort of trade pieces for either re-upping your farm system or for help with the major league club. And getting a guy with the talent of Jackson Ferris, who was a second round pick from the Chicago Cubs just a couple years ago, He's incredibly talented. He's got four pitches that he can do. He was able to have a really successful season talking about in the top 20 in FIP in the Carolina League, top 30 in XFIP in the Carolina League with those 50-plus innings. And he was 11th in the Carolina League in strikeout percentage. He had a strikeout percentage of 32.5 this past season. He walks a little bit of guys, so he kind of fits perfectly within the mold that the Dodgers like to develop guys that have a lot of stuff, but might have a little bit of command issues. The Dodgers will be able to help him with that, help him develop some command. He didn't give up a lot of home runs last year, gave up and was a pitcher who gave up a lot of ground balls. So there's a lot to be excited. 0.16 home runs per nine, Austin. Yes, you're exactly right. And talking about just some of these ERA, FIP, and XFIP, 3.38, 3.27, and 3.60, all incredibly solid. Gave Had 53% ground ball percentages. He was able to pitch in game one of the playoff series with the Myrtle Beach Pelicans against the Charleston River Ducks. Unfortunately, the Pelicans did not win that game. They lost 2-1, to one. but he was, got key clutch ground balls into double play during that game during his appearance where he there is some plays in the outfield there are some plays where it just got outside of the defender's gloves he is a very talented pitcher and he has an incredibly bright future and he put him in a situation where he's going to be coached by guys like dave anderson guys like richard de los santos other good really talented coaches within this development system that have helped grow pitchers like a Bobby Miller, like an Emmett Sheehan, like a Kyle Hurt. All of these guys, they've helped them develop. And you put a guy with this much talent into their system, there is a lot to be excited about with the upside, not just for this upcoming future for the high Great Lakes, but also for the Los Angeles Dodgers for the future. He is going to be part of that next wave of good left-handed pitchers within this organization see that position he gets in right there see where that baseball is austin look where that baseball is it's right behind his head right because he's so athletic see his spine angle is almost straight up and and with his spine angle straight up 
he's still able to put this baseball behind his head. That's an extremely athletic position. That's a Jack Dreyer, Ben Harris type move right there. It's It hides the baseball, so it's what's called an invisible ball because by the time he releases right there, you don't see it. And so a lefty, you see that left? Let me, let me, play, let me play that back. See that lefty? He pulled off because you just don't see it. Okay, now, having said that, getting in that position right there, okay, it also leads to kind of a slingshot. See how he's slingshotting around right there? So he's coming from behind his head to slingshotting instead of making just kind of a, a nice over-the-top, easy, repeatable delivery. He's coming from behind the head and then slingshotting. So, yes, that makes for an invisible baseball. Now, look where he delivers this ball from. He delivers this ball from basically behind a left-hander. That makes it very uncomfortable. Okay, so let me back that up just a touch and show you where that ball was at. This is Jackson Ferris right here. Okay, let me back it up just a second here. Okay, and let's let him throw his next pitch right here. And I'm going to show you exactly what I mean if I can get it started properly. He's coming off the field here. Okay, so basically when the ball comes out of his hand, we're going to see it if I can stop it properly there. Okay, see how that's still be – I mean, that's more than halfway home to home plate. That ball is still behind a left-hander. Okay, and not only that, it started behind his head. So the left-hander didn't see it. And then the first time a left-hander sees this ball, Austin, it's behind them. <laughs> now, good luck trying to stay in on that when it's 94, 95, 96. Those are all the good parts of it. But you also know with a Ben Harris, with that type of delivery, with that type of slingshot, you're going to have a little bit different release point every time. That's why you see the inconsistencies with the strike zone. Look at that big hook. That is big time. So the and another thing about that is if you don't see the baseball, not only for a lefty do, do you not pick it up until it's behind you, okay? That means too, see how that left-hander just see how, see how his butt went in the bucket right there and he bailed out. That is simply because that ball stayed behind him and by the time he actually saw that baseball, he had no clue what pitch was coming. He thought it was going to be an inside fastball bailed off of it, and now you can't hit that slider. That, that is devastating. That is a big-time pitch. It's a big-time – well, let me show you that again. Let me show you where he actually drops this ball. Watch when he separates from the glove. See that? See how when he separated right there? Okay, one more time. We're going to get back to that. Watch how he separates right there. See that? There is no way that you're going to pick up that baseball as a left-hander, as a right-hander. Then it goes to behind his head. Then it slingshots. That that is that is really 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 wicked motion for a left-hander. Again, it's going to create some inconsistencies as far as strikes go in the strike zone. That's pretty obvious. But the 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 high side of that is that right there, a fastball that a left-hander can't see. It's an inviv it's an invisible pitch to him, and they walk to the dugout. And even a right-hander right there, see how he bailed off of that because. If you notice, Austin, even with the right-hander, this is even a bigger deal here. Okay, here's the lefty again. Butt in the bucket. See ya. That is just a wicked slider, slurve, whatever you want to call that. That's more of a, a back foot slider to a like, right-hander. Okay, here's a lefty again. We're going to get to the right-hander. I want to show you this right here. Okay, because that right-hander thinks that pitch is, is going to be uh, on, the, on the outer half, he actually goes around that ball, and then the ball actually – goes to that back foot location and gets underneath the right-handed swing right there. See how that got underneath that swing? Okay, so he has the back foot going for him towards the righty. He has the butt-in-the-bucket element to a left-hander. 
This is a guy with wicked, wicked stuff. Look at that. Boom. Forget about it. Okay. The, the, the only thing about him, like seeming like every other Dodgers pitching prospect, look at that. That's a right-hander that's like, screw that. I can't hit that pitch. And that's when you go, you know, you talk about, uh, you talk about Taylor Young going back to the dugout and telling all of his, his, his buddies, hey, what is, look at that. I mean, that's like a gyro pitch, right? That's kind of like a little frisbee pitch. Okay, and then there, there's that four seam on the outer half that a lefty just doesn't see. What you're seeing, see, see all this indecision. That's the invisible pitch. Okay, but whenever if, if whenever you go back to the dugout and you say, "Hey, what does it look like?" All you can say to that is, "Hell if I know, I didn't see it." And if you get those three pitches, I got two words of advice for you: good luck. Because look at that four seam up in the zone again. It's like all the other Dodgers prospects. It's going to be a matter of if he can throw enough strikes. Hope I didn't talk too long there. No, that was perfect. That was an excellent, much-needed breakdown on Jackson Ferris. And Jackson Ferris, actually, I was doing a little bit of research, had some videos out on YouTube. I know he did a video with the Myrtle Beach Pelicans talking over some of his stuff. I know he's done some other interviews as well talking about it. So if you want to hear directly from Jackson Ferris, I recommend that you check those out too. I think this is an excellent breakdown, and I think there's going to be a lot of hitters in the Midwest League and in the leagues that he's going to advance to to come that are going to go back to the dugout. Oh, and are going to back tell their now, you saw that luck. sweeper, okay, that, that one that went to the back foot of the right-hander. Now watch this this 12-6 to 6 drop here. Didn't mean to cut you off. I wanted, to, I wanted the fans to see this, though. Watch the 12-6 movement to this. When I say 12-6, to 6, think of a clock. Golly. <laughs> That's incredible, man. That's good stuff. Yeah, he has some absolutely nasty stuff. He's got that fastball. He's got more of that slider, sweeper type. He's got that 12-6 to 6 type curveball changeup as well. He's got really good stuff that the Dodgers coaching development staff, they have a lot of stuff to work with. Watch just like the run right here. Watch that run. With Zaire Hope. Yeah, no, that is nasty. Yeah, he's going to be he's going to be something that we're going to be talking about quite a bit, and it's going to be an exciting watch in Great Lakes, assuming that he starts off there, or in Rancho Cucamongo, but he's going to move up to Great Lakes super quick. So one thing that, that Dave mentioned in when I was talking to him, Dave Anderson, the pitching coach for the Great Lakes Loons, that see that slider right there? That's more of an east-west approach. One thing that he likes about Maddox Bruns, that he really loves about Maddox Bruns, first of all, folks, Maddox Bruns in the last two months of the season, listen very carefully, because we're talking about Jackson Ferris, Maddox Bruns, Justin Robleski. Maddox Bruns, just like Jackson Ferris, off the chart stuff. The curveball, the slider, the fastball, it's off the charts. It's always been about getting in the zone for Maddox Bruns. The same way it is for Jackson Ferris here. Okay? So listen very carefully. Maddox Bruns was in zone, meaning he threw his fastball for a strike 60% or more of the time for the entire last two months of last season. That's incredible because that's the hurdle that Max, that Maddox Bruns had to jump. And not only that, the reason why he's so ridiculously good, Maddox Bruns, is that he can pitch both east-south and northwest, meaning he can throw a 12-6 curveball that breaks straight down. He can throw the, the high-riding four seam that gives the rising effect, 
but then he can also throw a cutter slash slider that that moves horizontally and then he can turn the ball over like a two seam and throw that horizontally to the arm side as well so pitchers that can attack a hitter both in a north south what you're seeing here with jackson ferris why i bring this up it, the, the pitchers that can, that can approach hitters and face hitters with a north south and an east west approach you can't you can't get a beat on them so what we've seen here from jackson ferris we've seen the 12 to 6 south curveball the curveball that breaks south correct we've seen the high riding four seam that looks that that gives you the north look to it the up look to it you've seen the the left-handed there's the sweeper right there that gives you the horizontal right turn and you also saw the two seam looking arm side tail to his fastball as well he has all four different shapes he's see there's the east west right there little cutter type pitch he has the east west and also the north south down super high on this guy so for what the Dodgers actually got back for Michael Bush and Yancy Almonte, considering what they're up against, pretty incredible. It just doesn't right now actually advance their cause towards World Series in the next two or three years. It does not advance their cause in 2024, at least with Jackson Ferris and Zaire Hope. They're not going to be part of the World Series winning 2024 Los Angeles Dodgers team. But they are key pieces that are going to be part of the future for the Dodgers, whether that's develop them and find some sort of trade piece for them, or whether that is they're going to be part of the Los Angeles Dodgers in the future. It's important to build up your farm system. It's important to acquire talent and give them opportunities when they are needing those opportunities. Michael Bush wasn't going to get those opportunities for the Dodgers, so they acquired some help for the future who might need to get opportunities in the future. They're not needed to be put on the 40-man roster for quite a while, so you get to develop them, you get to slow that development, and it opens up spots for you to add talent that can be on this team right now. So even though it wasn't a direct trade for somebody for the 2024 Dodgers team, it is a trade that opens up a spot for somebody to be added to the 2024 Dodgers team. It just wasn't immediately addressed. And you add two incredible talents that we're going to be yes, super excited no to cover as they develop in this Dodgers system. Zaire Hope, you're seeing here, we have a, a comment from Benji. I heard he is a hitter and a pitcher. Well, you're going to see both right here. You're going to see him drop some bombs. Here's the pitching right here. And he is pretty darn good. You can tell even from this angle. Watch this. This is pretty explosive. I mean, that's an explosive fastball. And it's that's in North Carolina high school. So, I mean, it is a high school setting, and it's high school hitters. There's a little slider pitch you can see. So, yes, Zaire Hope, electricity, again, he was going to North Carolina, and I can tell you, if you're going to North Carolina, you are an elite high school baseball player because North Carolina only takes elite high school baseball players. I mean, you look at some of the – well, Michael Bush went to North Carolina, Ben Kasparius, and Robbie Pito. I mean, the Dodgers have several guys that, that went to the University of North Carolina. Here is Zaire Hope pitching. You can see kind of the – and you can see right there, if you back that up, there is a lot still left to go, kind of high school mechanics. You can tell he's an outfielder trying to pitch. And let me show you right here what I mean. Okay, see that extension? See how he's really not even getting down the hill much at all? I mean, you can see the right here. If you look at his foot, the, okay, so base, so not basically. 
this circle right here is 18 feet around, okay, if it's regulation, which this one looks like it is. So you can see his foot right here is probably a good four or five feet away from home plate. So his extension right there is probably about five, maybe five and a half feet. Good extension at the professional level is going to be at least body. So what So what a lot of college coaches train at Rob Walton at Oklahoma State, what they'll train a pitcher to do is lay down, put their head on the rubber, lay down, and then see how long their body is. And however long their body is, mark at the end of their body. That's how long their stride should be. You can see that Zaire Hope's stride is much shorter than what his actual body is. So if they do go ahead and pitch Zaire Hope, that's probably the first thing you're going to do is give him quite a bit more extension. And when that happens, Austin, he's going to immediately jump in miles per hour by at least five or six miles an hour just by that one adjustment. Yeah, and I think this is really important. This is actually something that I talked to Casey about maybe a couple days ago. Why is this important? Well, the Dodgers have a unique ability to find talent both on the offensive side and on the pitching side. So let's say that Zayer Hope, they start him off as an offensive player, and then they might want to transition him to the pitching the Dodgers have a unique ability to be able to find talent in the pitching and be able to develop that. And here's a perfect example of that. In 2023, for the Los Angeles Dodgers minor league affiliates, for those who pitched at least 50 innings, there was a Kyle Hurt was tied with one other pitcher for the most amount of swings and misses on a per pitch basis. Do you know who the other pitcher was? Sauron Lau. It was Sarin Lau. Now, the if you don't know who Sarin Lau is, yeah, if you don't know who Sarin Lau is, that's because in 2022, he was an infielder. They converted him for the pitching. And in 2023, he had the highest percentage of swings and misses uh, per on a per-pitch basis with at least 50-plus innings pitched. They can do that with a guy like Sarin Lau, who on the mound has some really good swing and miss stuff as evidence. They can find something in a guy like a Zaire Hope, who they might like his ability on the offensive side, or they could see potential in the pitching side. And they have, in this past season, shown a very clear example of finding incredible upside in guys if they want to convert them to a pitching role. Zaire Hope has a lot of tools, both offensively and on the pitching side, to where the Dodgers can lean into either one of those aspects. Siren Lau is a perfect example yep. of that. No doubt about that. And so the backgrounds of these guys, Jackson Ferris is from North Carolina, and he actually ended up at the IMG Academy, the same academy that, hey, Kendall Williams from the IMG Academy. Kendall Williams was originally from Olive Branch, Olive Branch Mississippi, and then he ended up his high school career at the IMG Academy. That is the same with Jackson Ferris. Jackson Ferris is from North Carolina, moved down to Florida, ended up his high school career at the IMG Academy. Zaire Hope is actually a young man from Virginia that was going to, that has committed to the University of North Carolina. The background of that is Jackson Ferris was a second round draft pick in 2022. He is 19 years old. And then Zaire Hope was an 11th round draft pick this last year and Zaire Hope is uh how old is he Austin Zaire Hope I believe is just 18 yeah, yeah he's so about to turn They're 19 both years old yeah so there you go you got you got really talented 
young players. So I hope that answers some of your questions. I know we had we're, we're back with us now here, Austin. I know we had a, a a a question there or a comment. Hey, will you give us some of the background? I hope that's enough for you. We may cover them a little bit more as we go. Benji says all the best to Michael Bush. We'll miss you, no doubt. Roy, good evening, Dodger fan. Good evening, Roy. Friday night in the big town on Dodgers Dogs. Glad you joined. Hepatitis, see you later. Hey, thank you so much for joining. Hopefully, Hep brought his, his sense of humor like you did last time. They, he, had a, he had a couple pretty good ones last time. Jackson Ferris probably has more value in a trade for starting pitching than 26-year-old Bush. Yeah, Jackson Ferris is very, very, very talented. He had, Like I said, able to, to go north-south, east-west. Going to be a matter of how many strikes he can throw if he can master the strike zone. Again, like Maddox Bruns did, going to say it one more time, Maddox Bruns, under the instruction of Dave Anderson, last year, the last two months of the season, had his fastball in zone 60% of the time or more. That's impressive because, again, that's the hurdle Maddox Bruns had to cross. Benji, folks, if you have some time, go watch all the interviews Casey has done with our prospects. Very insightful. I thank you for saying that, Benji. And just got off the phone with Michael Grove. I have that interview in the can. Going to release that this week. Also, Taylor Young, I have his interview in the can. Going to release that this week, too. Gus Varlin, I have his interview in the can as well. Just got through talking to Emmett Sheehan. Going to interview him this week. And then also just got through talking to James Altman, who I'm not going to be able to get him this week because he's in Chicago. So I'm going to message him again then next weekend and then hopefully we can connect and i can interview him next week so there's a lot more on the horizon and i appreciate you saying that benji very much so okay zella zoom i still think a jesus trade is possible they already have the god baseball and otani might as well get his son (laughs) that's fantastic okay so who won this trade um i don't think there's a winner or loser i think The Dodgers, the only way you could say the Dodgers did lose this trade was that they didn't, this is a win-now team right now. The Dodgers haven't, my my comment, my only negative comment towards this is that at this point, I would have rather used Michael Bush and Yancey Almonte to further your cause to win a World Series, but I don't think the Dodgers had that available in the time frame they had offered to them. And so they did the best that they could. And what they got in return was definitely, I think, at least a tie in value. Yeah, I don't think it's fair to say that the Dodgers lost this trade. You could say that maybe they weren't able to maximize uh, Michael Bush's return. For what they're looking to do this year at the major league level is what I'm saying. Yes, and maximize his return for the 2024 season. They got a good return. And... Yancy Almonte and Michael Bush, because they did not have any roles at the big league level, weren't providing the Dodgers any sort of value. They got a couple of really intriguing, toolsy prospects that are just going to add to this already really talented, really historic farm system for the Dodgers. And so they got a couple of really good guys. But for the Chicago Cubs perspective, you can't say that they lost a trade. They got a starting everyday player in Michael Bush. They got a piece 
for their bullpen and against the Almonte, who's going to be part of that team, part of a team that's going to be fighting for a National League Central crown. And Michael Bush is going to be a key contributor to that. So you can't say that the Cubs lost a trade. I don't think the Dodgers were going to utilize these guys, so they were able to turn these guys into some really talented guys that can help the farm system. Again, pay attention to all aspects of your organization. The farm system is a part of it. And so I don't see any sort of loser winner to this trade. I think it is a necessary move that the Dodgers had to make. And it is a beneficial good move that the Cubs were able to take advantage Mm -hmm. and got an incredibly two incredibly talented players in return for that. Zella says Sasaki posted in the 12th in the next 12 months. I I mean, there seems to be a lot of talk about that. That is the best case scenario for the Dodgers because they would go right after yep. Roki Sasaki. And I would anticipate them to be the favorites to land him. So best case scenario, that is what – and he would be part of that 2025 Dodgers rotation. Yeah, locked on MLB prospects compared Ferris to Blake Snell. Also, Luis Arias is available. I didn't realize how how good Luis Arias was, man. That dude's good. Yeah. No doubt about that. So we'll have to watch a little bit more of, of course, you're going to probably get to see Jackson Ferris with your own eyes this year. I'll get to see him on video unless he makes it up to Tulsa, which I wouldn't think that would be the case because you have your lefty crop that's going to be in Tulsa with Justin Robleski, Ronan Kopp, and then Maddox Bruns. So I would think just like they did Robo, Maddox, and Ronan, I would think that Jackson Ferris – and then probably like a Chris Campos. I think those guys will probably stay. So, like, your rotation right now, I think, is going to be Gabe Emmett, Chris Campos, Jackson Ferris, Jared Karros, and Peter Hubeck. Woo! <laughs> wow, man. Let's go. Yeah. I mean, hey, Dave Anderson is an incredible pitching coach, and he's going to have a hell of a good time coaching those guys. Yeah, it's it's going to be incredibly fun. Yeah, that the 2024 Great Lakes Loons pitching staff is going to be must-watch baseball, and I'm going to be there for a lot of it. Okay, Benji says, we have a bunch of people here. We have well over 100 people now. Thank you so much for, for providing us such a wonderful lobby here. Hey, don't forget to leave a like, leave a comment, tell all your friends about Dodgers Daily, and if you're not a subscriber, then please click that subscribe button. But definitely spread the word every Sunday, Wednesday, and Friday. Thank you, Benji, so much for that. Roy Sakin says trade for lefty closer. Tanner Scott, he's 29 and a free agent in 25. Yes, no doubt about it. I, I am all about Tanner Scott. So trade for lefty closer. Tanner Scott, he's 29, free agent in 25, 2025. Get Lazardo too. We have pitchers, catchers, and Vargas. Miami needs them all. Yes, I do think we have a package that Miami would like, and it seems to me like Austin. Miami does have some redundancy. They do have a little bit of redundancy, and it seems like they're wanting to offload a lot of talent. So if they're looking to offload a lot of talent, they're wanting to add younger talent, either 
whether that's MLB ready talent, which the Dodgers have a surplus of, or whether that is farm system talent, which again, the Dodgers have a surplus of the Dodgers, even when trading away, Michael Bush still have a lot of guys that the Marlins could covet and could want. And you can make a trade for a Jesus Lazardo who would be added depth to this pitching staff, who would fit into this rotation, who would provide insurance in case there's some sort of injury to their pitching staff, and add a dominant left-handed relief pitcher, and you can use him in high-leverage situations in Tanner Scott. We talked about it a lot on the previous live and during our hot take. I think it is a great match for the Dodgers and the Dodgers still have a lot of pieces to where they could make that work. I think it would be a perfect fit for the Dodgers to help them win World Series in 2024. It would add insurance to this club. I am all aboard the Jesus Lazardo Tanner Scott train. Yeah, me too. And our next comment is about Landon Knack that you're seeing on your screen here. Landon Knack, this is from Denard, is the next old prospect, already 26, that needs to be traded. He's he needs an opportunity, too, as well. The Dodgers have a lot of these guys. That's my one complaint about this is that, okay, so one of the comments here from Hep C, pretty sure the Dodgers had Bush, the number two piece, listed him that way to go get a cease, Lazardo, that type of trade. That's kind of what I'm talking about. I think because they, they waited until he was 26, that loss of value kept them from being able to pull off getting a guy like that for a Michael Bush because they allowed Michael Bush to get to be 26 with limited major league experience. They were only able to go get younger prospects that aren't going to help for two or three years as talented as Ferris and hope are. I think the age factor played into that, which is my one complaint about this Landon knack right now with zero major league experience at the age of 26. He's been a top prospect forever. How much value does he have right now? It is getting limited and limited as these prospects get up there in age as far as value for an organization, especially for an organization that does not see good, consistent playing time for these guys. Their value just keeps getting lower and lower and lower. And I get the argument that you need pitchers for depth. You're going to need 10-ish starters. You're going to need 800 to 900 innings in order to fill out a season. And I totally understand that. But these guys are getting up there in age. They're getting older and older. And if you keep them down without a plan to bring them up to the big leagues, they're going to become less and less value, which is not fair to them because these guys are incredibly talented. It's not maximizing the efficiency of using this roster to get a ton of talent, whether that's trading for good younger pieces for the farm system, whether that is for adding to this big league club, keeping these guys all the way down in Oklahoma City forever while they are just getting older and older and over. And I totally get also that there has to be a development process along this way. And you need to coach these guys. These guys are incredibly talented. Casey and I want these guys to get opportunities while they are younger because that can maximize their return on the investment that can give them more big league experience and give them a chance to really earn a good big league living as well. Um, with Landon Knack, he's getting up there in age. The Dodgers are going to have to figure out what they're wanting to do with him. 
I don't know what the plan is going to be for him or what sort of avenues that he is going to have at the big league level this next season. No, the Dodgers are going to call up guys from the farm system to be able to fill in innings. Is it fair for Landon Knack to be a guy who's going to be on the up and down train for Oklahoma City and uh, Los Angeles? And is that going to be the best thing for his development as he gets to the major league level, as he is so close and so talented talent wise, he deserves to be up there. I don't know if that's the best case scenario for Landon neck or even for the Los Angeles Dodgers as well. These is part of the problem. And some of the things that the Dodgers are going to have to decide with this young crop of right-handed talented starting pitching that they have that are close to the big league level. No doubt about that, and it doesn't matter if it is or not. That's what's going to happen, Lennon Knack, this year. He is going to be considered depth, and so my question would be, let's say that Tyler Glass now is healthy. Let's say Yamamoto does what he is capable of doing. Let's see. Let's say once Walker Bueller gets back, let's say Bobby Miller and Emmett Sheehan do what they're supposed to do. Okay, what role then does that give – Landon Knack, Nick Frosso, Gavin Stone, Michael Grove, right? Okay, so the question, the answer to that is they are depth. They're squarely at this point. Those guys, I think Kyle Hurts going to be more than depth. He's going to be a, he's going to be either a piggyback or he's going to be in the bullpen. He's going to be a he's going to be he's going to have to be more than. I I hope they don't send Kyle Hurt to Oklahoma City. That's all I got to say because he's too talented for that this year. So the, these are your depth pieces this year. Nick Frasso, Landon Knack, Gavin Stone, Michael Grove, and Michael Grove, Gavin Stone, Nick Frasso, Landon Knack. They can all be guys that did like Michael Grove did last year. And I talked to him about this today in our interview with Michael Grove where they can be in the pen. They can give you two or three innings. They can give you a piggy, piggyback. They can give you a spot start, and they can give you that rotation in that six-man spot. So that's how they're going to be used. I don't – I mean, the number – just do the math. I mean, just simply do the math. That's what the math would suggest. And, hey, yeah, we think that these guys are better than just being considered Major League depth. But, boy, if you win a World Series, it's hard to complain about anything. You know, and the Dodgers – It's hard to complain. And from the just strictly Los Angeles Dodgers perspective, as far as the organization, what better depth can you get than having these young, talented guys in your system? Mm -hmm. The question for it is, are they able to maximize these guys even when they get their opportunities at the big league level? If you know that, hey, I might get this one start up in Los Angeles and this might be my one opportunity, so I'm going to – because I need to have a perfect outing. What sort of mindset does that get to these guys? What sort of opportunities does that give these younger guys to be able to prove themselves at the big league level? We push for more sustainable long-term because that gives you a better Mm -hmm. idea of who these guys are going to be. Reality is, especially if the Dodgers make some sort of free agent signing, if that's the avenue that they go or they decide to mostly stay put, is these guys are going to be depth pieces. You probably are going to see them fairly early in the season, especially if they slow play Walker Buehler. They're going to need a couple arms to help fill in 
during the rotation. They might need them throughout the season, but it's going to might be fairly inconsistent, which we don't think is fair to them, fair to their talent, and fair for them to get an opportunity. But we also understand the reality of the situation. We're still excited about these guys. We're still going to cheer them on and think that they can do some amazing things at the big league level. But if the, but they also could be, if the Dodgers decided to go down this route, potential good pieces for a trade, if yeah, you're talking right. about a Tanner Scott or a Jesus Lazardo, and that might give them an opportunity at the big league level while also providing a little bit more insurance for the rotation. So that's kind of where I'm at. I would prefer to go down the trade route because it provides opportunity and adds a good, solid left-handed pitcher. But I also understand the perspective that the Dodgers need depth at the big league level, and these guys can provide depth. Yeah, and we have a, a, a question here. Do we know anything about Emo Morales and Kendall George? This is Kendall George you're seeing right here. And, yes, I actually have an interview with Kendall George. Very cool young man out of out of Atascacita. Okay, easy for me to say. Which is the Houston area kind of there in between uh, Houston and the Gulf of Mexico down there in uh, Galveston, and that is absolutely elite high school baseball. Had a chance to talk to him oh, about a month and a half, two months ago. This is a young man that was not even slated to make it to Rancho this last year after he's drafted, after he has the Dodgers' first-round draft pick, but he was so good at the complex. He was so overskilled for what they were doing there. They moved him to Rancho. He hit well over 300 at Rancho, stole a million bases, actually stole home plate, in a first and third steal to win a game for the Rancho Cucamonga Quakes. Very talented young left-handed hitter. We talked all about the adjustments he's making into his professional career. So we won't get in real deep into Kendall George tonight. But if you want to know more about him, go to that Kendall George interview. Mike, I don't know if you have time. If you're if you're in the lobby right now, maybe you can link that Kendall George interview. And that'll tell you everything that you will need to know about him. Denard says Miguel Vargas got a chance, but he was hurt. Yes, uh, his hand was definitely hurt. Does he deserve a second chance with or without the Dodgers? Does he deserve a second chance? Absolutely, no doubt about it. Will he get a second chance with the Dodgers? Not really. Not this year. Mookie Betts is the second baseman. Gavin Lux is the shortstop. And unless somebody gets hurt, or things don't work out, Miguel Vargas is an odd man out in this squad. No doubt about it. So I, I think it's, it's kind of a weird situation because you root for Miguel Vargas, but then you also say, well, it's hard to root for Miguel Vargas because then you're rooting for an injury or for plan B because he is not plan A at the moment. Zella Zoom, if we need to get to some of these comments, if they win some things, they need a Freeman statue. Yeah, Benji, I want Vargas to get another chance with full health, no doubt about it. Jay says Vargas didn't get a fair chance. I agree with that. He stood there all spring not being able to swing, and then when he finally could, he was behind plus learning a new position at the major league level, which I hate. I hate having guys learn a brand-new defensive position at the major league level. It is so much harder than people think. I totally agree with you there, Jay. I totally agree. I just don't – just do the math. Again, do the math. You got Gavin Lux at short. You got Mookie Betts at second. You got T. Oscar in the outfield. You got Manny Margot, Jason Hayward, James Altman. I don't see where Jay, you got you got Max Muncy at third. Chris Taylor's going to need playing time. I just don't see where Miguel Vargas fits in to 
this lineup. I think he's plan B. Okay, Benji, I want yeah, there's just saw an old yeah, he saw he saw that old interview. Yeah. Bart, yeah, and there's Zella. Zella also need a statue of Otani. Yeah. Okay, Charlie Stokes, thank you so much for joining. And hey, if you haven't done it yet, leave a like, leave a comment. And if you have not yet, make sure you become a subscriber and tell all your friends about Dodgers Daily. Austin, how did you become a Dodgers fan? Yeah, really good question. Uh, a lot. So just go on, it's just kind of a little bit of background. I'm not from California. I have no association with California. So there really would be no reason to root for the Dodgers in that sense. But I got grown up with baseball in 2006, and that's when I loved the game. And I actually grew up and still am part of a Detroit Tigers fan. I grew up with that 2006 Tigers team that made the World Series. And then that very next season in 2007 was when the Great Lakes Loons moved into town and they became the affiliate of the Los Angeles Dodgers then. So that my main connection with the Dodgers organization came and has come through my connection with the Great Lakes Loons. Now, over the past couple of seasons, I've had the opportunity. I don't live in Midland. I actually live several hours away. I have the opportunity to go to a lot of road games and that going to a lot of those road games, building some of the connections with a lot of the people around the organization has made me fall in love with this organization, fall in love with the Great Lakes Loons organization. And uh, to see a lot of these guys grow and develop as they come up with the Dodgers has turned me into a fan of the Dodgers, fan of the organization. Still am a fan of the Detroit Tigers, can't get rid of that. But I have my most connection with the Great Lakes Loons. I've watched all of their games. I go to 30-plus of their games in which I drive at least an hour or two each one of those games. That's kind of how I became a Dodgers fan is through the Great Lakes Loons and their association with the Los Angeles Dodgers. Okay, so when I was a kid, I was born in 1973, and Vin Scully in the late 70s, early 80s, Joe Garagioli would always do the the World Series and and I just was an absolute addict for baseball. Always have been. Loved Vin Scully. Finally found I really didn't realize he was the play-by-play guy for the Dodgers. And I was like, oh, dang. Well, I want to watch him a little bit more, listen to him a little bit more. So then got into that. And then Kirk Gibson hit the home run when I was 15 years old. I was hooked ever since. And then when I found out in 2015 that Oklahoma City actually was a AAA affiliate of the Houston Astros. We were the Rangers forever, Texas, which is just about three and a half hours south of us, which was cool because then you could go see the big team. But then we became the Astros, and then we lost the Astros. And we're like, well, what's going to happen now? And then the Dodgers came in, and, and that was like, oh, my God, that's the fav- my favorite team. I mean, it was, like, it, was like, it, was, it was like a dream come true. So that's how we became fans of the Dodgers. Have a lot of comments to get to. Denard 2010, a lot of Lazardo trade talk. What prospects package would get it done? It's going to take a Nick Frosso. It's going to take a Diego Cartaya. It's going to take a lower prospect and then probably a Miguel Vargas to get him it's and Tanner some, Scott both. Yeah, it's it, there's a lot of moving four, pieces. Four, maybe five. And we, it's going gonna, it's gonna to take four or five of those prospects, and probably not all of them are going to be on the 40-man roster. I'm sure – the Marlins are also looking to 
boost their farm system, add some more talent there. So they're going to want some pieces maybe at the lower levels or at the upper levels that aren't on the 40 man that are incredibly talented. Dodgers are going to push for those guys. That's going to take four or five really good prospects to get Jesus Lazardo and Tanner Scott. But if you don't really have a primary role for a lot of these guys, or you don't envision a future for these guys on the Los Angeles Dodgers and Jesus Lazardo and Tanner Scott are going to put you over the top of the World Series, why wouldn't you make yeah, that trade? Right. Absolutely. Totally agree. That's the position you're in. Hey, if you think it's going to help you win a World Series, there is no such thing as an overpay at this point. That's my opinion. We did have a question. Which one do you think is going to be better in their prime, Sasaki or Yamamoto? I think Yamamoto is going to be a more consistent pitcher. I think Sasaki in his prime of, say, his best three years will probably be the better top-end pitcher in, in the top, say, three years of his career. But if you looked over 10, I think Yamamoto's consistency will probably make him the better pitcher over time. But I think Sasaki will be the better pitcher if you just take a short window. You're looking at Nick Frasso here, probably the main guy that the Marlins would come after in a trade. Want to show you him. So Snell said no to five years, 150. Which team would be willing to pay more or he will end up with less money than the Yankees offered? Yeah, I mean, that's a lot of money. I don't know what – that's $30 million a year. That's a whole bunch for a guy that's going to age. That's exactly – I mean, that right there is exactly why the Dodgers have not even thought about Blake Snell because you're talking about a guy that wants $30 million plus and a guy where I, I know that he had a wonderful year, but if you look at the underlying metrics, which the Dodgers believe in, they say regression, and if he gives you any kind of regression at all, that $30 million a year is a massive overpay. Larry Partridge, if the Dodgers sign Hader to one or two years, he will continue to only want to pitch the ninth. I can live with that if the Dodgers add a quality lefty for the bullpen. Okay, that's why we said Tanner Scott. There's your quality lefty. Jesus Lazardo in that trade, and then you go get Josh Hader in the free agent market, and bam, there you go. You have a team that is absolutely airtight at that point. Thank you, Larry, for that comment. Hey, Grizz Monster, thank you so much for joining Friday Night in the Big Town on Dodgers Dogs. This is silly. We are turning into the Steinbrenner Show. I agree. This doesn't feel right, especially after being a Dodger fan for almost 50 years. Matter of fact, I texted one of my really good Dodgers fans the other day. Hey, off the record, what do you think about what the Dodgers are doing? They're building an all-star team. It's starting to feel less and less like the Dodgers. I'm not going to give names, but I, actually I texted about four or five guys who have been fans just like Grizz. They all agreed with me. Their comment almost to a person was, "It uh, as fun as it is, it is a little bit concerning. It is. Uh, this is at least a little bit uncharacteristic for the Dodgers, which I think this comes from a desire that, I mean, man, the pain that you felt the past couple postseasons getting eliminated by the San Diego Padres, getting eliminated by the Arizona Diamondbacks, there needed to be some sort of change. And they've just gone nuclear with their reaction, adding as much talent as they possibly can to win they a World did. Series. The amount of pain that you feel or the lack of recognition that you feel as a Dodgers fan, I think is totally valid and can absolutely be there. As I've stated in the past, that pain that you feel there is nothing compared to the pain of getting eliminated in the postseason. If this is the way that you have to go to win a World Series, 
go win a World Series. That is the goal, and that is what the Dodgers need to do. Matty Man 5, Dodge. Yes, I agree with this. No offense in the big league and no defensive position. Love him, but it was never going to happen on the new Dodgers. New Dodgers meaning the all-star type team that they are assembling. Hey, Mike, thank you so much for joining, and thank you for your service that you give as a fire. I know you had a, a meeting tonight, and thank you for joining as soon as you could. And Everybody loves it when Mike joins. He's just so pleasant, and he's so intelligent, and he does such a wonderful job with the chat. Mike, it adds so much whenever you're in this chat, so thank you so much. Matty Man 5, I totally agree with you on that. DS, love your show. Thank you so much, DS. We certainly appreciate you saying that. Hepatitis C later, Josue de Paula. George Hope is a toolsy as hell. He says, heck, I'll say hell, man. How about that outfield, man? You're talking about Hope, George, de Paula. Woo! Let's go, baby. And, hey, how about that? That's going to be on the heels of possibly winning, like, four World Series titles. (laughs) Let's go, baby. I'm ready to start the season tomorrow, right? Oh, I, well, I'm ready to go play out in the snow right now. Let's go. <laughs> okay. Yang Yi says, Giants signed Jordan Hicks and utilize him as a starting pitcher, not as a relief pitcher. I wonder if Gratterall could be a converted starting pitcher. Not a chance. Gratterall, can, there's no way he can get their lineup more than one time because his extension's not good enough. I know the two seems good, but where he's at right now, if you look at the ERA and then you look at all the expected numbers, the expected numbers are way higher than the ERA is, which tells you that he gets a little bit lucky, and the the longer your outings are, the less lucky, lucky you get. Everything seems, you know, they, everything evens out. So I think three outs at a time, maybe, hey, we have, a, we have a super chat we'll get to here in just a second. Let's get to that right now. Jason Ceretti, thank you so much. We are so fortunate to see the start of a dynasty Hey, I totally agree with you there, Jason. Thank you so much for that wonderful super chat. It is absolutely so much appreciated. John Cosby, hey, thank you so much for joining, John. I know John and I talk back and forth on different social media platforms. He always has just wonderful comments. Love the trade. Bush gets his shot, and we get some young top prospects. Ferris looks really good. Yeah, let me get back to, matter of fact, since you brought him up, let me get back to our our video on him nobody wants to see our ugly mugs austin so we might as well be playing some video of the beautiful looking jackson ferris we actually broke him down in quite detail uh, about 30 minutes ago so if you'll just rewind on this show you'll see quite a bit of analysis of him okay so maddie man feist i wonder if bruzdar has the emotional makeup to start he's always at a 10 that might not translate i just don't see the, I just don't see his extension working out as a starter. I see, at the very least, I think maybe a piggyback where he gets nine outs or, or one time through the lineup. That's about the, the most I could see for him. Jay says Jackson Ferris is listed as a Dodgers top five prospect already. The number two Dodgers left-hander in the system right now. Okay, two-way for Hope DS. Yes, we played video of Hope earlier. We showed him pitching and hitting i think the dodgers do have a decision typically speaking when they have a position player and a pitcher they turn them into a pitcher just like river ryan so we will see how that goes there mike says gradual would not be a good starter i agree with you there mike hep c dodgers are reloading their shortstop depth in the minor leagues they have a million shortstops william diaz jordan thompson rain don cone uh, alex freeland 
Al, uh, Ab, uh, Taylor Young, Austin Gothier. Yes, they have a whole bunch of shortstop. I'm missing a whole bunch of them, too. Ferris is nasty, no doubt, Benji. We're looking at him right here. Gratterall found his role. Farron is trying to outthink the room with the Hicks as a starter. Okay, Mike says Ferris, Martin, and Yang are 19-year-old pitchers who have a bright future, no doubt. Okay, so Denard, Dodgers 21 and under, Ferris, Bruns, Martin, Cop, Yang, Tolero, Ying. Hey, Ronaldo Ying is badass, by the way. Rosario, Ibarra, so is Yoel Ibarra is badass, too. Smith, Patrick, Green, and, and Benuea. Yeah, lots of youth. Any video for Yamamoto throwing javelin? I do not have that. I will see if I can get some before the next uh, video that we go on. Will the Dodgers turn Hope into a pitcher only, or is he better as an outfielder? I think I think he's going to be an outfielder. I said that earlier that usually they change him into a pitcher. I see outfielder all the way, and the reason is the outfit. There's way more pitching depth, and you just got Jackson Ferris. You've got Justin Robleski. You've got Ronan Cop. You got Maddox Bruns. Then you still have Alec Gamboa and John Rooney, who both were starters, right? I think you need dynamic outfielders like him that can that can steal bases and be dynamic more right now than than you would need a pitcher, Austin. Yeah, and I think right now the plan would be for him to remain an outfielder. However, if the Dodgers see something from him on the mound, they will take advantage of that and they will help develop him if, with that. As the example we alluded to, the second tied for first with Kyle Hurt for the most swings and misses during the 2023 minor league season on a per pitch basis was Sarin Lau, who was a position yeah. player formerly. So if they see something in Zaire Hope on the mound, they will convert him on the mound. Otherwise, there's a lot of tools to work with on in the bat, in the outfield. He's got a lot of speed, a lot of athleticism, and some pop. I think if he was right-handed, he might pitch. But being left-handed, being from the left side with speed, you're already that much closer to first base. The Dodgers need dynamic-type players. Kendall George, Josue De Paula, who only hit two home runs last year, and Zaire Hope. It wouldn't get any more dynamic than that in an outfield. So, okay, so the answer is, should Zaire Hope stick to pitching or hitting? That's kind of what we think right there. But we have absolutely no idea, so take that with a grain of salt. Yeah, okay, could be a win. For both sides, says Young. Hey, Danielle Finn, thank you so much, Danielle, for joining tonight. Hello, everyone. Dodgers did right by Bush. No doubt about it. That's the element of it that we actually we have talked about a little bit. But the Dodgers, they didn't make a good business decision here in the sense that they could have used Michael Bush to help win a World Series be depth this year. They made this decision. They made this decision because they did right by Michael Bush on a personal level, period, in my, in my opinion. Yeah, and that is something that you have to give credit for the Dodgers for. As as much as we were griping and complaining about him. Bitching not and getting, moaning is what I've been doing for the last yes, 365 exactly. days. Yeah. Complaining <laughs> about him not getting an opportunity at the big league level sooner or at least sustained playing time at the big league level. The Dodgers, in the end, did what was right for Michael Bush, and they put him in a situation where he's going to get a lot of playing time, whether that's at first, whether that's at third for the Chicago Cubs. I think he can be an everyday player for the Chicago Cubs who are going to be fighting for the National League Central. Michael Bush is going to be a part of that. So the Dodgers got to give credit to them. They did what was right on a personal level, even though 
He could have been really good depth at the minor leagues. He is more than that. The Dodgers recognized that. They didn't have a role for him, so they decided to do what was right. Tamatley, thank you so much for joining. I love it when Tamatley joins. It's awesome. Again, I say it all the time, Austin. Not the biggest crowd. We have a wonderful crowd, and it's growing, man. We have a great lobby right now. But we have the best baseball crowd. Absolutely no doubt about it. When you just read this chat, it is just full of just incredible takes. Bush's fate, no doubt, was sealed once they re-signed Muncie. He was blocked at that point. He was never going to play left field. I, I tried to, as nicely as I could, uh, warn Dodgers fans of that, that Michael Bush wasn't going to play left field. I just I just at all didn't see that happening. Okay, so where do you see this team in 10 years? It's hard to say, but but I can tell you this. The Dodgers are going to continue to find not only talented young players, but diamonds in the rough. They're going to continue to coach them up. They're going to continue to always have an elite farm system, and then they are going to continue to have enough money to go get to free agents. This is a Dodgers club and an organization that what you got to love is that they also, like we've seen with these moves this year, they do everything they can to win the World Series that year, but then also at the exact same time, they do everything they can to put themselves in a position to still be loaded to win a World Series this year, next year, five years from now, and eight years from now. That's what you really got to love about this free uh, this front office. Yeah, you got to love that about this front office. And even if, beco- if it becomes something in the future, I know there might be some concern about the, all the deferred money. Okay, what's going to happen in 10 years? It might be an amazing 10 Doesn't years. Doesn't matter. But what happens after that? It doesn't really matter. But the important thing about it is the Dodgers have been able to consistently have mm-hmm. a top farm system, which means even if you had to rely on guys in this system, you're still going to be able to develop, produce a ton of talent that who knows, maybe some of the future Dodgers teams will start relying on some of the younger talent a little bit more than what they are going to during the Shohei Otani era. I still have a very bright future ahead for the Los Angeles Dodgers. There's still a lot to be excited about, but right now, the Dodgers are focused on the short term, the future, and boy, is there so much to be excited about right now. Yeah, Danielle says, can they hold back international money to, to keep it for Sasaki? I I don't know all of the international <clears throat> rules. I would guess probably not, or I'm guessing they're going to do what they have to do to get do. Sasaki. I'll, I'll put it to you yes, that way. They're, yes, they're going to take advantage of every single avenue that they can to get Sasaki. They're going to, they're going to do whatever it takes to him. I don't know the international free agent rules as far as money allotments i don't believe you could do that or at least that's just my inclination um so i don't anticipate that but whatever they have to do to get sasaki they will do everything they can how interested are they and this is from zella and murakami munitaka murakami a third baseman that drops bombs and by the way haven't been able to get with mike and get a video drop mike actually wrote a story on on munitaka murakama and we are actually, that's going to be one of our next fewest hot takes. Is he going to be a guy the Dodgers go after? So I think the Dodgers, if you just look at him, I think they're going to be heavily interested in this guy. So, okay, who would you say is untouchable in the Lazardo trade? I would say Dalton Rushing. I would probably say Josue De Paula. And then, obviously, Bobby Miller, Emmett Sheehan. Those would be the four yeah, guys. You- Everybody else, fair game. 
Yeah, you'd have to think about guys that you could see that, one, have a lot of tools and upside that you want to keep, but also guys that you project to have roles on this big league team. So I would say the Dodgers would be incredibly hesitant to give up a guy like an Andy Pajes because I think he could have a role on the 2025 Los Angeles Dodgers team because you're going to have James Outman and then you're having a bunch of free agents in the outfield. I think you're looking at guys that either could fill roles or just have so much amount of talent that you don't want to give up him. I think they're going to look for every avenue to avoid trading a Dalton Russian, mm-hmm. trading an Andy Pies, trading a Josue de Paula, obviously not trade a Bobby Miller. They're going to try to do everything they can to avoid trading an Emmett Sheehan. And if they carve they out a trade role, which they should. They will not trade Emmett Sheehan. Yes, no, they're not going to trade Emmett Sheehan. You're right. And they're, they're not going to trade I, Bobby Miller, Emmett Sheehan. I say that Dalton Rushing is off limits. I think he is. I don't think they would, but the two that I know they wouldn't is Emmett Sheehan and yes. and Bobby Miller. Yes, you're absolutely right there. Okay, so, all right, we need to get some more of these comments. We have a whole bunch of wonderful comments here to get to. Okay, so we had one. Hepsi, I think the Dodgers are holding off the 2025 international signing. I believe they're only committed to a few players. They aren't very high-priced. Could be in preparation for Sasaki. I can tell you they are going to do everything they can to get Roki Sasaki. I will be shocked if Roki Sasaki is not a Dodger. That's what I will say about that. Okay, Mike's got some comments there. Random Mike, has it been confirmed that Sasaki actually has the same opt-out that was written in Otani's contract? Mike is answering all those questions, and, and he's answering that if you want to see that in the chat. If the Dodgers, here's the Nard, if the Dodgers trade Lazardo, get Arias 2, Move bets to the outfield. Hayward would be our fourth outfielder. Trade away Margot. That would be good. I think the better way of using prospect capital would be to get the left-handed reliever and Tanner Scott. I think the Dodgers have enough offense. Yeah, and you'd have to think about with Luis Arias as far as where he would position best on this team. Arias would be an everyday big league type player and i don't know exactly which role he would position in especially if you want mookie bets at second base the goal the thing would be okay move mookie bets back to the outfield position him right there yeah i don't envision that being the daughter's primary move i think they would much rather go ahead and get a left-handed reliever yeah. especially because with arias i think there's some question marks about his defensive ability do you want have max muncie and arias and gavin lux be question marks on a defense on your infield i don't see that as a great fit for Luis arias as good of a hitter as dynamic or a different type of hitter that he would provide he'd provide much more contact he would be much more of an average type hitter meaning batting average type hitter um, I don't envision that being what the Dodgers do. I would think that they would try to go after a left-handed reliever instead. Yeah, I would I would think so, too. And Showtime says trade for Cecil Lazardo and sign Hader and Kirsch and call it an offseason. There you go. So let's say the Kirsch isn't a starter. Let's say you get Kirsch instead of Tanner Scott. I have zero for obviously. That's awesome, right? And then, and then you get Cease for your next pitcher, and then you get Hader for your closer. So basically what what Showtime's saying is one more starter, one more lefty reliever, and then a closer. That's what we're saying too. That's what Lazardo Tanner Scott does for you. Then you go get Josh Hader in free agency. That's what's still out there. Hey, you've gone this far. You spent this amount of money. 
why not finish this thing off and and make it even that much more airtight? I say that it's billions of dollars. That's why you don't do it. Daniel says that uh, the Kyle Hurt that you're seeing right here on your screen is going to be a surprise closer by the end of the year. He will save some big playoff games. One more time, Austin, go over his strikeout numbers, if you will. Yeah, with Kyle Hurt. I mean, Kyle Hurt was incredibly dominant this past season. Um, me talking about him at the minor leagues. Dodgers fans had a chance to uh, see a little bit of that at the big league level this past season, but he was so dominant as far as his strikeout numbers. Um, last season at double A, he had a strikeout percentage of 39.4%, and triple A, he had 38.5%. So that's a total of 39.2% for his strikeout percentage. And you're talking about some of the ranks of his strikeout percentage. It was sixth among all MILB pitchers, minor league pitchers with 50 plus innings. It was second for those with 60 plus innings. And it was first with those with 65 plus innings. So the strikeout numbers are absolutely there for Kyle Hurt. He has dominant electric stuff. And this is why that we pushed in the past. You don't have to go and spend five years, $100 million on a Josh Hader because you have a talent Correct. like a Kyle Hurt that is just sitting there waiting for an opportunity. I sure hope that Kyle Hurt gets an opportunity at the big league level because he deserves it, and his dominant stuff is there. He started to show a little bit more consistency, and like we stated earlier about Saren Lau, he led the Dodgers in their minor league system with swings and misses on a per-pitch basis. He has a ton of electric stuff. Okay, for new to the live, Mike says make sure and hit that subscribe button. We've got about 10 more minutes we're going to get to all these comments here. Hep C says Walker Buehler might need a month off at the beginning of the season. I think at least, yeah. Danielle Finn, you're seeing Gavin Stone here. Don't give up on him. He has developed a cutter like Michael Grove did. He made that adjustment last year, and he was pitching really good towards the end of last year. Roy Estrada says, Showtime LA would love to see Dodgers sign Woodruff. Yes, that's going to be after spring training starts. Dan, David Webster, thank you so much for joining. What's going on with Josh Hader? The Dodgers are trying to wait out that market. They don't want to sign the million years that he's going to want. They're going to want him to get antsy, a little bit more desperate, and they're going to want to sign him on some terms that are maybe a higher AAV but lower years. So if the Major League says Bush was number two prospect, then why didn't we trade for starter pitcher instead? That's because the Dodgers allowed him to get to 26 with very limited Major League experience. At that point, he didn't have the value to return a guy like that. That's the, the complaint that I have about the Dodgers allowing their prospects to get too old. You're seeing Gavin Stone yeah. here in live action. Young says Dodgers to sign Kyle Lewis as reclamation project. He's still young and can play center field to spare for Alvin. Yep. Hey, Benji said, noted Casey. Thank you for introducing me, Mr. George. All right, very good. That is the interview. Kendall George will be a star with that speed, no doubt about it. Okay, Mike, thank you so much for linking that interview with Kendall George. Okay, to Motley. Hey, I saw Austin in the stands against Fort Wayne. Yeah, around the 4th of July. That is exactly right. He's he's almost always right behind. Matter of fact, he took some video for us, too. Uh, the Giants or the, the Giants signed Jordan Hicks. Yeah, I'm not going to read actually what that says. Okay, Hollow Clips. Thank you so much for joining Hollow Clips. Again, every Sunday, Wednesday, and Friday. If you haven't done it, hit that like button. Leave a comment. Tell all your friends about Dodgers Daily and become a subscriber. John Heyman reported earlier today that the Marlins are open to trading Luis 
Arias. I think the Dodgers should go all in to get him. What are your thoughts? We just went over that. Defensively, it wouldn't be a very good match, and we think that the Dodgers, I think, could better use that. The the capital you're going to give for for a left-handed reliever like Tanner Scott, for those very reasons. Can Miguel Vargas eventually replace Chris Taylor and become a super utility player? Yes, he could, but I do think Miguel Vargas is more talented than that. I think he could be he's talented enough to be an everyday starter. Hey, yeah, and I and I think there's somebody else in the system who can become more of a super utility type player. Absolutely right. Austin Gothier is that type of guy who's been positioned all over the diamond. Where I, ta- I wrote about him actually in the in an article uh, for Dodgers Daily and talked about some of the upside that he brought. He had one of the most underrated seasons in minor league baseball this past season, talking about 150 WRC plus, over 500 plate appearances with more walks than strikeouts only has been done 20 other times since 2006 at the minor league level. And since he is part of the 150 WRC plus 400 plate appearance club, that puts him in a category where 75% of those big players are big league players. They have in median of about a thousand big league plate appearances with a 97 WRC plus attached to them. So he's in a really good category that also has produced 25% of those big leaguers are all stars. So Austin Gothier can move all around. He's positioned really well and Something really important is the Dodgers sometimes show with their actions how much they value these guys. Mm -hmm. And Austin Gothier was consistently at the top of a loaded lineup with guys like Jose Ramos, with Yorbit Vivas, with Eddie Slaynard, with Andy Pajes, with Diego Cartaya, with all of these guys. Austin Gothier was getting priority at bats. That shows you how valuable he can, and I think he's going to be. So I think Chris Taylor's replacement within the system actually is Austin Gothier. That's a great point, Austin. I never, I never really thought about that, but that, that is a great point. Okay, Dodgers have no need for Arias. Yeah, I agree with that. Thank God it's Friday. DJ Jesse says, thank you so much for joining. Big, it is Friday night in the big town here on Dodgers Dog. Do you expect another Dodgers trade? Thanks, guys. Yes, I do think they are one move away from finishing, maybe two, but I think there is one more move left the Dodgers have up their sleeve. Have a great night, Mike. Thanks for hanging out. Yes, Holoclip says, uh, yes, they do. Hayward is not a starter. Dodgers can move Mookie back to the outfield. Yeah, the Damino Casey, when I was seven, I was the honorary bat kid for the Loons. Oh, that's awesome. Okay, so uh, Benji says, Otani, Yamamoto, Glass now, and Teo Hernandez. Okay, so to Motley, if the lineup slips under 50% homegrown or adopted, then I think we'll have gone a little too far. I agree with that. We talked about that earlier, to Motley. That is a concern. Random Hilo, big fan of Tanner Scott, not too big on the backing the truck up for Hater. We are on that same page, but if we happen to miss out on both, what do you think of going after Matt Moore to be that left-handed pitching bullpen ad? He would be an option. He would be one of those one-year lefty free agent. Had a good season this past season. I think this has been brought up, something that uh, Tim Rogers, Dodgers 2080, has brought up. Um, The lefty-righty splits, he actually is fairly decent, at least last season, at getting righties out as opposed to left-handed hitters. 
So that would be my biggest concern with a left-handed reliever. You want him to be able to get left-handed hitters out. I don't know if Matt Moore is going to be the perfect option in that scenario. He would be a cheaper option. I don't know if he's the best option. Okay, Eddie, thank you so much for joining Eddie Chavez. Hey, y'all, hey, back to you, Eddie. Thank you so much for joining every Sunday, Wednesday, and Friday night in the big town. And, hey, leave a like, leave a comment, tell all your friends about Dodgers Daily. Become a subscriber. Hit that subscribe button. Charlie Stokes, thanks for answering your question. No problem. That's what we're here for. Tommy Price just win, no doubt. Mr. John Ron, hit that thumbs up, no doubt about that. Hey, Scott Strong, first comment from Scott tonight. Scott also always does a wonderful job. Hope has a similar build to Kendall George. Both lefties. Difference is Hope has more power. Hope reminds me more of a Bubba Aleen type. Yeah, I mean, Bubba was part of the Great Lakes Loons this past season. Yep. Uh, he was a good hitter. Zaire Hope has a lot of good potential that he has. There's a lot of different similarities that you can build there. I haven't seen a ton of Zaire Hope in-game action to be able to compare it. Uh, but I know the guys, especially in the clubhouse, if he's anywhere close to the clubhouse yeah. guy that Bubba Eileen was, he's going to be a very well fit into the Dodgers organization. And if he has the tools that Bubba has, Bubba still has, I still believe in what Bubba can do. No doubt. Uh, Isaiah Hope is going to do a lot of great stuff. Bubba was the 2022 Big Ten Player of the Year. You're pretty talented when you can do that. Okay, Scott, between Hope and George, I think the Dodgers are going to find a future fourth outfielder. Don't forget Josue De Paula as well, Jose Ramos. There is a lot of talented outfielders in this organization. Eddie Chavez says young pitchers plus Dodgers top-tier pitching coaches equals success. Agree with that, Benji. With 100-plus votes, looks like 80% of the people like this deal. I didn't even realize that. Yeah, over 100 votes. Very nice. Scott Otani told Roki Sasaki he would know when the time is right to come to the major leagues. Coincidence that he asked to be posted days following Otani's signing. Not a coincidence. No doubt about that. Hep C, I was getting worried Bush was going to be the first 40-year-old rookie of the year. See, there's that Hep C. I told you, there's that Hep C personality right there. Okay, DJ, Dodgers lacking rookies at third baseman. Besides Jake Geloff. Uh, yeah, Cody Hosey is a guy that is still trying to grind. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, so I guess you could say Austin Gothier could play some third base. And then I think Alex Freeland could also move over to third base if you needed him to. Benji says do not trade Kyle Hurt. He's another one I don't think the Dodgers would trade either. I mentioned Emmett Sheehan and Bobby Miller. Put Kyle Hurt on that list too. Scott says, fun fact, Michael Bush is 12 years older than Juan Soto. Yeah, no, just kidding. Mr. John Rod, hit that like button. Yes, on the way out. Okay, and then that is going to end it. This has been awesome. So, Austin, final thoughts before we get out of here. Yeah, the Dodgers did make a move. They traded Michael Bush. They traded Yancey Almonte, which I think those were two moves where the Dodgers didn't envision them having roles. They got two incredible talents for the system. I'm personally excited because I get a chance to see these guys in action. They'll they'll get some time, whether this is this season or next season in Great Lakes. So I'm selfishly excited. But I think this is an indication that the Dodgers are still working and they're still going to take some time. But I think future moves are coming. The Dodgers are building a juggernaut. They're building an all-star team, whether we like it or not. But I think if the Dodgers can win a World Series, I think we're all going to go home and be happy because that is the ultimate goal of what the Dodgers are trying to do. This trade that they made with Bush and with Almonte, while that doesn't seem to in, seem to set up 
that type of move as far as getting them talents to win World Series in 2024. Perhaps this is setting them up to where they can be patient and when the time is right, strike on a move that helps them win a World Series this upcoming season. I want to thank everybody for tuning in. This has been a wonderful lobby, a heck of a lot of fun tonight. And obviously, as always, I want to say go Dodgers. I also want to end this by saying go get Jesus Lazardo, Go get Tanner Scott. Go get Josh Hader. And let's win a World Series or 10.